for us. And so today I'm excited because we're going to continue uh, our series entitled Game Changers. And uh, how many of you enjoyed uh, Pastor James, our celebrate recovery pastor, last Sunday? Y'all enjoyed him? Amen. Give him a great round of applause. And if you're not a part of Celebrate Recovery, uh, man, we'd love for you to check it out every Tuesday night at our uh, downtown campus and every Friday night at our Holly Pond campus. Just a great opportunity to be a part of a ministry that is really making a, dentist, uh, making a difference, reaching people that are kind of in the ditches of life and helping people get their feet back under them and begin to run hard after the Lord. And uh, so many great testimonies come out of Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so we're so thankful for that ministry. Well, this morning, as I said, we're going to continue the series entitled Game Changers. And really over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus Christ changed the game, right? How that he came and, and he brought us out from under an old covenant of sin and death into a new covenant where the grace and truth of Jesus Christ sets us free. That we have been literally empowered and changed from the inside out uh, so that we can be a part of this amazing new covenant uh, that we call Christianity. And so today what we're going to kind of do is we're going to kind of kind of just round the corner a little bit. We're going to kind of make a little shift uh, in this series. And we're going to recognize today how that the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ <clears throat> empowers us to live a new life. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and how we live out this new life that we have now found in Jesus Christ and how that what Jesus has done for us is actually intended to flow through us. Amen? And make a difference in the world that we are living in. So look with me in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to hang out here uh, in Colossians 3 for the next couple weeks. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, right? We've been raised to what? To new life. To new life with Christ. So set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things on earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. How many know that Jesus is coming back? Can I get an amen from somebody today? Jesus is coming back. And one day, the Bible says, when he comes and all the world sees him, that we get to share in his glory, in the glorious return of a new heaven and a new earth where he rules and reigns in a world without sin and without Satan and without sorrow. But I want you to know something today, something exciting. Not only will we share in his future glory, but we actually get to share in the glory of God right here now on earth. God has deposited within us something astounding and amazing that we're going to see today from Scripture that the Bible just simply calls a new nature. That we get to be partakers, the Bible says, of the divine nature of God because we have been brought into a new covenant so we can live a brand new life. Can I get an amen this morning? So look at that first point for all you note takers today. Because of the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, we can now walk out the game-changing realities of the new covenant in our daily lives. The new covenant literally gives us a new life in Christ. It gives us literally a new life in Christ. Look with me in Colossians 3. We're going to jump down to verse 10. And we're going to read several scriptures today. Uh, but the Bible says this. The Apostle Paul says, put on your new nature. Right? So he says you've got new life. 
You've got to set your reality, your sights on the realities of heaven, and you've got to understand that your life is hidden with Christ. And then he says this, so put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Now, I really feel like the Holy Spirit showed me something specific, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to mess it up. So let me share with you some specific things. I want you to hear this today. What Paul is about to describe as he talks about putting on this new nature, what Paul is about to describe is not behavior modification. It's not behavior modification. Paul, The Apostle Paul is about to describe this new nature, this new life that we're called to live. And this is not behavior modification. We understand this at Liberty Church, right? We say it a lot. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people come alive. Right? We were dead in the trespasses of our sins, and he has made us alive in Christ. He's brought us out of darkness into light. He brought us from being blinded to now that we can see. We were deaf, but now we can hear. We were mute, but now we can speak and declare the glorious things of God. And Jesus did not come to make bad people good people. He came to make dead people come alive. And that is because he gives us a new nature. So what the Apostle Paul is about to describe as he begins to identify and clarify what it means to have a new nature in Jesus, he's not talking just about behavior modification. That was the Old Testament. Under the Old Testament, you live by rules and regulations, right? There were external restraints that defined how you were supposed to live. And under the Old Covenant, you live by works, right? So if you obey God, you were blessed. If you disobey God, you were cursed. And the realization is that Jesus brought us into a new covenant that is no longer based by the rules and regulations of the law, but now we've been brought into the liberty and the life and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live from a new heart and a new nature that's been given us through Jesus Christ. So Paul's not talking about behavior modification. He's talking about a heart transformation. How many know that when you got born again, you actually got a new nature? When you got born again, you got a new nature. Let me read the rest of this to you before I get ahead of myself. What Paul is literally describing, he's declaring this is who we are. This is what we have through our new covenant in Christ. And Paul, listen to this, is not encouraging us to change. He's not saying, hey, you need to change who you are and how you live. He is encouraging us to display what has already been changed in our hearts and our lives. See, if you don't realize you have a new nature, then you'll still live according to your old nature. And what will happen, and it happens many times, is you'll become a legalistic Christian that tries to take Old Testament commandment and put them in a New Testament model that says it's all just about behavioral modification. Paul said it's not behavioral modification. It's the heart transformation that has happened in you. And what God is wanting you to do is not, quote, change the way you live. But God is wanting you to begin to recognize that you now have a new nature that you can live from. And he's going to use the phrase to clothe yourself. When you got born again, you got a new nature. You got a new set of clothes. Come on, somebody. All you women ought to like that. You got a new set of clothes. God filled your closet with a brand new wardrobe. And every day of your life, guess what? Now you get to choose. You get to choose to put on that new nature. You get to choose to display what God has put in you. Because here's the good news. This is what I know to be true about those who have been born again in Jesus Christ. When you've truly been born again, how many know there is a heart desire now to please the Lord? 
Doesn't mean we perfectly do it. Doesn't mean we always do it. Doesn't mean we still don't sin and come short of the glory of God. But you know what I've recognized in my heart and the hearts and lives of other people that have truly been born again? They have a genuine desire to please God. They want to do the thing that pleases the Lord. They want to help people, not hurt people. They want to bless people, not curse people. They want to see the glory of God, not the damages of sin anymore ravaging their life or the lives of other people. There's this new nature. And all of a sudden, when you got born again, now you have a choice. You get to choose. What are you going to clothe yourself in? Am I going to put on the old man that's created in sin and unrighteousness? Or am I going to put on that new man that's created in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ? Because every day, I get to display the nature that God has given to me. And if you don't know you have a new nature, then you will feel like you're bound to an old man. But you now have a new nature. And it's that new nature, hear me today, think about it, it's that new nature that creates conflict. Do you remember before you came to Christ how selfish you really were? <laughs> how you lived for yourself? And everybody else on the planet was really just a means to an end. <laughs> There may have been a couple people, maybe some close family members that you really cared about. For the most part, though, the people in the world around you were just a means to the end. And it was all about you. And there wasn't a whole lot of conflict because at the end of the day, you just did what you wanted to do, how you wanted to do it. And you expected everybody else to line up, shut up, and get in line. And if people didn't make you happy and didn't do what you, they want, you wanted them to do, you thought there was something wrong with them. And you're like, hey, I wish you'd get out of my life because you're not pleasing me anymore. But the moment you got born again, now there was a conflict. The moment you got born again, now there's a desire to please God. Now there's a desire to bless people. Now there's a desire to be kind, to be compassionate. Now there's a desire to do the things that please the Lord and advance the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, for the first time in your life, it's no longer just about you. You actually think about your choices and decisions, and you recognize that your life has an impact not just on you, but on the people around you. And it's a beautiful thing. And that transformation that happened in your life was the result of the fact that God gave you a new nature. There's now something living and breathing on the inside of you. It's the divine nature of Christ that longs and desires to please the Father. And now you've got a choice. I got a choice, not behavioral modification. I got a choice, what am I going to put on every day? Because now I have a new nature. There's something new and living on the inside of me that I can choose to put on. And I went to the closet this morning. It was a rainy, dreary day, and I thought I'd put on this little Bahama shirt right here. I thought we might cheer the day up a little bit. I thought this is kind of cheerful. The exact opposite of what the weather is today, right? So I'm going to put on something that's going to bring a little joy. How many you know every day you have a choice? And again, it's not behavior modification. It's not, hey, I've got to change and be a better person. No, I've just got to choose to put on a new nature. My heart has been changed. My mind has been changed. My spirit has been changed. And now I have to be renewed in the image of Christ, but I can choose on a daily basis to put on the very nature and character of Christ. So listen to what Paul goes on to say. Verse 11. He said, and in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you're barbaric or uncivilized or a slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. It's not about external things. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about your education. It's not about whether you have money, whether you don't have money. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, red or yellow. None of those things matter anymore. Why? Because it's not about external restraints. It's not about circumcision or uncircumcision, education or uneducation. It's not about none of those things. It's just about Jesus. 
It's just all about Jesus. He is all that matters. And in Jesus, you have a new life. And in Jesus, because there's a new covenant, you now have a new nature. And aren't you glad that you've got a new want to? Aren't you glad that even though you don't always do the things that please God, at the end of the day, you really desire to please the Lord? And it's that new nature, it's that want to, it's that desire to please God that when you fall down, you can't stay down. Isn't that good news? I'm so glad that when you fall down, you can't stay down. The righteous man will fall seven times, but he'll get up eight. And we've all heard those stories, right? Maybe you're one of those stories where people came to Christ and their life was changed, and all of a sudden they started making the wrong decisions and the wrong choices, and they ended up veering off the path, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, maybe for a year, maybe for five years. But isn't it amazing when you hear those people come back? And you know what they say almost every time? They say something similar to this. When I was out there in my deepest, darkest sin, I knew God had more, and this was not what he called me to live. See, if you're not born again when you're in your deepest, darkest sin, you know what you're going to think? Woo, this is the life. I got money, I got power, I got sex, I got all the stuff that the world says you need to have, and I'm living it up. But when you get born again, now there's a new nature. And even in the depths of sin, you know this is not what I was created for. I can never really be happy there again. See, Jesus will just mess your life up. Isn't that a good thing? He'll mess you up so bad that you can no longer be content. To live in sin and rebellion against God because there's now this new nature that says you were created for more you were created for more the life you're living is not the life you were created to live so Paul encourages us look at that next verse verse 12 he says and since God chose us to be the holy people that he loves you must clothe yourself there it is clothe yourself you gotta you gotta put on some things you gotta make a decision again this is not think about it. the fact that you can clothe yourself with what he's about to describe means that you have possession of it the fact that he says look what he says clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience the fact that he says you can clothe yourself with these things means that you now have the possession the ability to put those things on they are now yours you have a new nature created in righteousness to be like the father he says so clothe yourself put on these things tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience verse 13 he says and make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others and above all clothe yourself here it is again clothe yourself put on love clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful and let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing hymns, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. Look at verse 17. And whatever you do and whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. So today what we're going to do, we're going to just dissect verse 12. We're going to look at one verse today, and we're going to break that one verse down, and we're going to dive in to what it means to be clothed with Christ, what it means to put on that new nature, and again, to recognize this is not about external restraints. This is about a new nature being given permission to come forth. I'm just going to choose to close myself. 
See, every one of you chose to clothe yourself this morning. I'm really glad you did. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you probably had more than one outfit in the closet. And you had to decide today, what am I going to put on? Every day, you get to choose the old nature or the new nature. You have the ability to walk it out because it's already been given to you. So let's talk about these things. Tender-hearted mercy. Look at that next point. Tender-hearted mercy is a game changer because it changes the way that we see people. The word, the phrase tender-hearted mercy literally means to have compassion and pity for other people. When we put on tender-hearted mercy, all of a sudden we begin to see other people the way that God sees us. Man, when you begin to clothe yourself with the tender-hearted mercy of God, all of a sudden there is a spirit of compassion and there is a pity that you have in your heart for other people where your heart begins to grieve and break over them. You go from hating people and judging people and condemning people. Isn't it amazing how critical our world is? Isn't it amazing how judgmental? It's crazy. The world calls the church judgmental, but when you look at social media, it's the world judging the world and the world judging the church and the world judging everybody. There is such a critical judgmental spirit that permeates our culture today. Why? Because that's an old nature. But we have a new nature. You have been given a new nature called tender-hearted mercy where you have compassion and pity for other people. Anybody in here a little bit, maybe around my age, anybody remember the old A-Team show with Mr. T? Y'all remember Mr. T? Gold chain, gold chain, gold chain. Y'all remember Mr. T? Right, Mr. T used to have this little saying. He'd say, I pity the fool, right? I pity the fool that messes with me. I'm so glad that God doesn't pity the fool. I'm so glad that God has pity on us fools. Aren't you thankful that God has had pity on you? Aren't you thankful that God looked at you and did not give you what you deserve, but with a heart of compassion and pity, he looked at you and he was moved with compassion. I love what the scripture says in Psalms. Look with me in Psalms 103. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate. The King James uses the word pity. He pities those who fear him. He knows how weak we are and he remembers that we are only dust. I'm so thankful that when God looks at us, He looks with us through the tender-hearted mercy of compassion and pity, and He sees us not as we are, but He remembers, hey, they're just dust. And He's moved with compassion. And all of a sudden, when I put on tender-hearted mercy, I start looking at people with compassion. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, He said, I want you to think about, challenge the people to think about the most irritating, frustrating person they know. Don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> the most irritating, frustrating person that you know, right? How many know we all have those people that can get under our skin? I know y'all aren't that holy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so if you think about the most irritating, frustrating person that you know, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, when you see them through the tender-hearted mercy that I have put in you, because it's there, you can do it. You don't have to have a critical eye. You can have a compassionate eye. He said, and when you put on the tender-hearted mercy of Jesus, he said, and you see the most irritating, frustrating person that you know, he said, you know what you'll see? You'll see the pain and the sorrow behind the frustration. He said, because every irritating, frustrating person has a story of pain and hurt and heartache. 
And this is what he said. He said, because miserable people aren't miserable because they've experienced the love of God. Miserable people are miserable because they're disconnected from the love of God. And one of the greatest things that happens when you put on tenderhearted mercy is those irritating, frustrating people that you used to want to choke. Now you want to pray for most of the time. But isn't it amazing how that when you begin to clothe yourself with tender heart of mercy, we just put it on. And here's the good news. You've got it. You've got a new nature. You've got the divine nature of Christ living and abiding on the inside of you. You now have a tender-hearted mercy that fills your heart. And you can choose to put on that tender-hearted mercy. And you can begin to see not the irritation and the frustration, but you can begin to see the world through eyes of compassion and pity that remembers, hey, they're just us. They've got a story. And their story probably has some struggle and some pain. And they're not miserable and irritating and frustrating because they're experiencing the love of God. They're irritable, miserable, and frustrating because they've somehow gotten disconnected from the love of God. And it changes everything. Look at that next point. He says, not only put on tenderhearted mercy, but put on kindness. Kindness is a game changer. It changes the way, not just how we see people, but it changes the way we treat people. All of a sudden, we begin to treat others the way that we want to be treated. No longer an old covenant that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I heard a guy make this statement. He said, if we live by the old covenant, we live by an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, then everybody you know would be blind and toothless. Because <laughs> we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we're no longer under an old covenant where you're, where you're an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now we're living under a new covenant where I can treat other people the way I want to be treated because God has favored me and His kindness has been poured out upon my heart and my life and I've been changed. See, what kindness does, think about this, when you put on kindness and you begin to treat people the way you want to be treated instead of treating people the way they treat you, all of a sudden you just set yourself free. See, most people live under the control and manipulation of other people. What do I mean by that? I simply mean this. If they're mean to you, you're mean to them. If they're hateful to you, you're hateful to them. If they're spiteful to you, you're spiteful to them. If they slander you on social media, you slander them on social media. If they do something hateful and cruel or are spiteful to you, you just do it right back to them. And you know what happens? You live your life literally being manipulated and controlled by the choices and decisions of other people. Basically, you're not living your life. You're letting other people decide how you live your life. Your attitude, your decisions, and your choices are 100% being controlled by you treated me mean, I'm going to get back with you. You were hateful to me, I'm going to be hateful to you. You did that to me, I'm going to do that to you. Your life's out of control. You're not even in charge of your own decisions and your own choices. You've lost your own attitude and your joy. But the moment, hear me, the moment you decide to put on kindness, all of a sudden you set yourself free. Because now I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated no matter how they treat me. And let me just tell you what happens. People don't even know how to respond to that. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. Because kindness not only sets us free, but kindness breaks the cycle 
of sin and death. And it actually liberates people and brings them into a revelation that there may be a better way to live my life than just being spiteful for spiteful, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. I actually can actually treat people the way I want to be treated regardless of how they treat me because not only does it set me free, but it actually sets them free. Look what the Bible says, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Do you guys see that? Do you look at your life and do you see the kindness of God? you see how kind God's been? How tolerant he's been? How patient he's been with you? Look what he says. He says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, God's kindness, is intended to turn you from your sin? The King James says to lead men to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. What does it mean? To repent, to change my mind. When, when somebody curses you and you bless them, when somebody is spiteful to you and you're good to them, when somebody persecutes you and you pray for them, let me tell you what happens. They don't know how to handle it. They don't have a response. The world knows how to hate people that hate them. And the world knows how to love people that love them. And the Lord knows the world knows how to get even with people that have gotten even with them. But when you break the cycle through kindness, the Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. All of a sudden, it brings a revelation that, hey, you know what? Maybe there's a better way of living my life. Maybe I need to change the way I think about how I'm treating people. Maybe this ain't the way that's really going to create a healthy marriage or a healthy family or a healthy life. And it disarms them. I had a guy come up to me one time years ago, early in the ministry. He said, Pastor Keith, I just want to let you know, when I first met you, you just frustrated me to pieces. I said, why? He said, because it didn't matter how I treated you, you were nice to me. And he said, I didn't know what to do with that. He said, I felt like, I felt, this is what he said, he said, I felt vulnerable around you. Because no matter what I said or what I did, it didn't change how you treated me. He said, I felt like I was defenseless, defenseless against you. And I said, well, you weren't defenseless against me, but you were defenseless against the love of God. Because his kindness leads men to repentance. I mean, if you could beat people into repentance, I'd be in favor of that. <laughs> but you can't. It don't work. But kindness turns the hearts of people. Look what else he says. He says, don't just put on kindness. He says, put on humility. Humility is a game changer. It changes the way that we see ourselves. Humility empowers us to serve other people. Humility, think about this, strips away our pride, our arrogance, our high-minded thinking that looks down on people. Think about this. When you, when, you, when you put on humility, it changes the way you see yourself. And I, I want to give you a little definition here of humility or give you an illustration of humility. When I put on humility, I realize, number one, I'm not better than you. But I also realize, number two, I'm not less than you. See, humility is not thinking that you're nobody. That's not humility. That's insecurity. And insecurity will rob you and keep you from living the life God called you to live. Because if you walk around feeling like you're less than everybody else, then you think you have no value to add and nothing to give, which keeps you from serving people and engaging with people and helping people and adding value to people, and you actually get disconnected from the very thing you were called to do. If you walk around thinking you're better than everybody else, then you think everybody ought to serve you. And here's the realization. 
It's when we put on humility that we see ourselves in the accurate light. We begin to recognize, I'm not less than you. I'm not above you. But I am called by God, hear this, to serve you. Humility brings me to the revelation. I'm not less than you. I'm not more than you. But I am called by God to serve you. And that's where the greatness of God is. Jesus said the greatest would be the servant. Jesus came, he said, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I, lo I love what the Bible says in 1 Peter. Look at this scripture. 1 Peter chapter 5, the Bible says, In the same way you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And look what he says. And all of you, look at this, and all of you serve each other in humility. Serve each other in humility. Let me tell you what I know about prideful people. Prideful people don't serve. But let me tell you what I know about humility. Whenever you, when you clothe yourself in humility, all of a sudden, it empowers you to serve others. Why? Because I don't have anything to prove. I'm not better than you and I'm not less than you. But I am called by God to serve you. I'm called to follow the example of Jesus Christ. I'm called to do what Jesus did. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ, who humbled himself as a servant, laid down his life as a ransom for the sins of the world. So that you and I could be saved, transformed, and redeemed. And you know what's amazing? I love about Liberty Church. Liberty Church is full of some amazing, awesome servants. It's amazing. We got people that out in the world, they're like really important. <laughs> and then they come to church and they just serve. Out in the world, they're telling all kind of people what to do. And then they just come to church and they just serve. Out in the world, they got a title and they got a position. And they got power and they got money. But they come to church and they just serve. And you wouldn't know there are somebody in the world because when they come to church, they realize they're not above anybody, they're not below anybody, they're just called to serve everybody. And the Bible goes on there and says, out of humility serve one another. For God resists the proud, but he gives favor or grace to the humble. So therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you with honor in due time. And all of a sudden, you begin to recognize something. You begin to recognize God favors the humble. And if you want to have favor on your job, then serve people. You want to have favor in your family, then serve your family. You want to have favor in the church, then serve in the church. You want to have favor in the community, then serve the community. You want to have favor financially, then use your money not as a tool to get, but as a tool to give. You know what God will do? God will favor you. God will favor your marriage. God will favor your job. God will favor your business. God will favor your money. God will favor your life. Why? Because out of humility we serve. When we clothe ourselves, all of a sudden, we are empowered to serve. I'm not less than, I'm not more than, I'm just called to serve. What a powerful thing that is. And when you talk to people that really have a servant's heart, you know what happens? You find out those are the happiest people on the planet. <laughs> they're tired, but they're happy. <laughs> they're working hard, but they're happy. Because great is the servant, Jesus said. And it's humility that empowers us to serve. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, you know, I really struggle with pride. Well, welcome to the human race. We all do. But guess what? You have a new nature. And humility is a part of your new nature. You can put it on. Don't disqualify yourself from what Jesus has qualified you for. See, we, 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 because we don't understand, we have a new nature. And we think we're having to work in this behavioral modification thing. And I'm living by external rules instead of an internal heart change. 
then I make excuses for not being loving and I make excuses for not being kind and I make excuses for not being patient and I make excuses for not being humble because, well, that's just who I am. Well, that's who you were. That's not who you are. If you've been born again, you've got a new nature created in the image and likeness of God. That's who you are. Amen? You're humble. Look at that next point. He says gentleness. Gentleness. He says, he says look at this. Gentleness is a game changer. It changes the way that we respond to people. Gentleness is like meekness. It is power under control. There's a great scripture in 2 Samuel 22. I want to read it with you this morning. Uh, it's David speaking. David says this. He says, God is my strength and my power. He makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer, and he sets me on my high places. He teaches my hands to war. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. But look at this last part. Look what he says. David says, but your gentleness has made me great. Think about what David said. David, David just describes the strength, the power, the stability, the anointing that God has given him for war and for battle. But then David says, but it's your gentleness, God. It's your gentleness, God, that has made me great. And gentleness is a game changer because it changes the way we respond to people. Let's talk about the opposite of being gentle. If you're not gentle, you're probably harsh. And when I put on gentleness, guess what I'm doing? I'm, put on, I'm putting on the nature of Christ. I'm putting on a gentle spirit, and it's gentleness that makes us great. I'm putting on this gentle spirit, and all of a sudden, gentleness changes the way that I respond to people. As I was praying through this this week, the Lord, the Lord kind of just gave me some illustrations. He said, Keith, think about responses. Think about how your response can crush someone's dream. Your response can magnify their pain, or your response can encourage and strengthen their heart, all based on how you respond. And I begin to think about the fact, what happens if you don't respond gently and you respond harshly? You know what happens? You end up being separated from the people that you love because this is what will happen have you ever shared have you ever shared a really exciting something that was exciting to you something that you were so fired up about it was a victory it was a win it was it was awesome and you shared it maybe with a spouse or with a friend and you're like man let me tell you what happened dun, 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 dun. you tell them this awesome stuff and they're like yeah that's awesome what's for supper <laughs> or else you flip the coin and you're going through a really hard time and they're like, man, what's going on? And you finally kind of muster up the courage and you tell them, man, this is what's going on. They're like, boy, that's really bad. You know, I was thinking about going to a movie tonight. Your response, your response can crush people or elevate people. Your response can crush their dreams or encourage their hearts to press on into what God has for them. So gentleness is power under control. Gentleness means I can harness the hurry and the activity of my life. And I'm going to give you an example for me. Several years ago, there was a lady who came to our church. She came for some counseling, and she was waiting on the real counselor to get there, and I was talking to her, okay? And so I'm talking to her, and, uh, and she's sharing some things that are going on, and, and I say, I make a response to her. And she looks at me, and she, just with sadness in her eyes, she said, Pastor Keith, she said, for a person that is so good with words, that was horrible. 
And my heart just broke. My heart just broke. I mean, I apologized to her. I'm so sorry. And I went down to my office, and I remember going down to my office and just, just going before the Lord with a broken heart. And you know what the Lord showed me? He showed me that, that, that I wasn't trying to be harsh, but I was hurried. I had somewhere else to be and something else to do, and I was in a hurry to get to the thing that I needed to do next that was on my schedule. And here was somebody that shared their soul with me. And I wasn't trying to be harsh or uncaring or unkind, but I was hurried. Gentleness is power under control. I can harness my hurry and speak with gentleness. I'm just going to tell you, that was a game-changing experience for me. And I still get in a hurry. And I'm still very driven by what I have to do next on the schedule. But I try, I try to say, God, today I want to put on gentleness. I want to bring my hurry, my commitment to do the right thing and the next thing, the best of my ability. I want to bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit and make sure that I have a gentle answer for those that open their heart and soul to me. Amen? Now, here's the good news. You have a new nature and a part of your new nature, you have a gentle spirit that can respond appropriately to people. And you can be an encourager, not a crusher of the dreams and hearts of people. Amen? Y'all still with me? Last one, here it is. Patience. Patience is a game changer. It changes the way that we work or literally interact with other people. Patience creates space and allows time for personal growth and for divine work to take place. I'll just be honest with you. When I think about patience, I think about that little children's song, He's Still Working on Me. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, but he's still working on me. And what I realized as I was studying this, I realized that sometimes we forget how long it took us to get where we are. <laughs> and that the level of maturity that you're walking in right now has not always been the level of maturity that you're walking in. There was a time you didn't know what you didn't know. And you just didn't know it. And somebody along the way had patience with you. Somebody created time and space for you to grow and for you to become the person God has now created and called you to be. But it didn't happen overnight. And I think in the church especially, we forget it. You know, we, we're walking a level of maturity and we're excited about God. And, and then not everybody is. <laughs> And it's easy to get impatient with people. It's easy to, to be very impatient and you become short with people. You, you become not just harsh, but you actually eliminate an opportunity for people to grow and become. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought about Brother Curtis. Brother Curtis is one of my heroes. I love Brother Curtis with all my heart. And when Brother Curtis started working with me, on a personal level, on a one-on-one -on -one level, and got really involved in the, in the ministry and leadership of the church. He's very administrative. He's very organized. He's very logistical. And I was not. <laughs> and 
Curtis shared with me later on, he said, I used to go home from the office very frustrated. <laughs> he said, but the Lord showed him something. The Lord showed him that, that I just didn't know the things that he knew. I didn't know what I didn't know. I do now, praise God. I didn't know that just because you wanted something and prayed something to believe that something would happen, that it wouldn't just happen, that you actually have to have a plan and a strategy and an idea and a process. Things just don't automatically come together. Somebody actually has to work behind the scenes to make it come together. I didn't know that. I thought, well, I was young. I was on fire. I thought, if I just believe God, it'll happen. And I did. I believed God, and he sent me Curtis. <laughs> and then Curtis helped me to grow. But you know what it took? It took patience. He had to put on patience. My wife has had to put on patience. Other people have had to put on patience with me. And I'm so thankful for those people, aren't you? Because this is what happens. When you become impatient with people, it affects the way you work with people. And this is what happens. If you're a very impatient person and you do not show patience to people, then your ability to train and teach and impart is eradicated from your life. Because this is what happens when you're impatient. You're like, well, just get out of the way. I'll do it. It's taking you too long. No, don't do it that way. This is how you're supposed to do it. Let me show you. Just get back here. Come on, watch me one more day. And what happens out of your impatience, the gift that God gave you that was supposed to be imparted to other people dies with you. I'm just going to be honest. Let me just be real honest. I've met some financial geniuses that don't share their wisdom. And it breaks my heart. I'm like, why aren't you telling people? Well, I just can't put up with people. They don't know what they're doing. Well, duh. They don't know what you know. But if you don't become patient, if you don't put it on, then guess what? All the gift that God's put in you is going to die with you. Patience creates space. Patience gives people time for them to grow and for God to work in their lives. So again, let me give you the good news right here. The good news you might think, well, Pastor Keith, I'm not a patient person. That's who you were. But you got a new nature. And you can get up every day and you can put on patience. Because this is probably one area we make excuses, right? Well, I'm just not a patient person. I just can't deal with people like that anymore. No, it's not that you can't. It's that you won't. You choose to be clothed in the old man instead of putting on the new man that's creating the image and likeness of God. You have patience because you have a new nature. And it's not about rules and regulations. It's just about putting on what God's already put in me because it's mine. Amen? Let's bow our heads today. today. I want to just challenge you right now. Is there an area in your life that you need to put on some things? I'm not talking about you got to change. No, you don't have to change. You've already been changed. You've just got to, by faith, put on the very thing God has put in you. You got to go to that little spiritual closet instead of taking out the old man. You got to just grab hold of the new man and say, Today I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to put on tender hearted mercy. I'm going to put on kindness and gentleness and patience. I'm going to put on these things. Because they're mine. I've got a new nature. And because I have a new nature, I can live a new life. It really is that simple. No longer is there an excuse. No longer is there a, 
a bypass around this thing. It's just an opportunity. We have ownership of a new nature that we can put on. And it's a beautiful thing. And I want to challenge you today to put on that new nature. To make a decision that every day I'm going to put on those things, that new nature that Christ has given me. And I'm going to choose to let what God has put in me to just begin to come upon me. The second thing I want to do is maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and maybe you realize, Pastor Keith, today I, I don't have a new nature because I've never been born again. That's what Jesus called it. I've got an old nature. I'm pretty familiar with it. But I realize today I need a new nature. I need a heart that longs to please God. Because all those things you talked about today, they're not me. And unfortunately, I realize today they're not even in me. Because apart from Christ, I'm an old man. But in Christ, you can be a new man. And you can have a new nature. Because we got a new covenant that Jesus sealed with his blood. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want to receive that new nature. And I want to live my life for Jesus. I want you just to raise your hand. I want to be born again. I want to receive the gift. It's not works, it's faith. If you're watching online, you can just hit that little hand emoji. You can type in that little chat box. I'm raising my hand. I want that new nature. I want to be born again. If you raise your hand, our ushers are going on. They're going to slip a little packet in your hand. Just something we want to send home with you. But if you're here today, you say, I've never, I don't have that new nature. Today, I want that new nature in my life. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And I want to trust Him today. We're going to pray right now with those that have raised their hand, those online, those in person. But if that's you right now and you're in this room, just go ahead and slip your hand up. Don't wait another second. Today, I want to be born again. I want to receive the gift of eternal life. And I want to put on that new nature. Let's pray this prayer together right now, all of us, out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life and a new nature. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. prayed that prayer we'd love to follow up with you if you prayed it online there's a little link there if you'll click on that we'd love to follow up with you help you take that next step god bless you today we love you have a blessed day in the lord amen if you want to sign up for our trip to louisiana there's a sign up sheet at the information center that is uh, a week and a half away god bless you guys